This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest today, Ariel Garten. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you, Greg? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. And before you tell us what you do for a living today, if you would, could you tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be so many things simultaneously. I remember being four years old and wanting to be a opera singer, piano player, (laughs) talk show host, ballerina. Oh my goodness. I wanted to do all of it at once. Wow. Then when I was a little bit older, probably around eight, my mother was an artist. And so people would come to our house and see her beautiful paintings all over. And they'd always ask me, do you want to be an artist just like your mommy? And I said, no, I want to be a neuroastrophysicist. (laughs) Very aspirational goals for such a young child. Yes. I didn't know what all of those words meant, but I knew it had something to do with space and science and cool stuff and whatever it is I probably wanted to be it. But so long as it was lots of things simultaneously. Well, and it sounds like you can tell us here in a second that you do lots of things simultaneously today. So if you would tell us, what do you do today? So today I'm a neuroscientist and was a psychotherapist, and I'm the founder of a tech company that makes an innovative device that hundreds of thousands of people use to help them meditate. That's really cool. So could you take us from the time frame when you were a little kid wanting to do all those different things to today? Like what was your career path, because I know it wasn't straight and narrow, as most people seem to think it is. It was kind of all over the place, wasn't it? It really was. And as a child, I really loved the arts and the sciences. And I'm now 40. So, you know, 35 years ago, people would always say, oh, you can only be one. You can be a scientist or you can be an artist. And it was going to be really weird to be both. And throughout my whole career, I've moved back and forth between arts and sciences and managed to actually come up with a career that melds the two of them really effectively. And I think today there's a much greater understanding that you can be both an artist and a scientist and that most of us are and that we no longer have the schism, but it's something I really had to navigate growing up. Yeah. How did you do that? Because I suffered from being interested in too many things as well. (laughs) And so I found it very hard to like pick a college major to stay on track. How did you do it? So my answer was to do everything at the same time. I really loved it all. I felt capable. I felt like I could learn all this stuff and I just did it. So when I was young, I loved making stuff. My mom was an artist, so I would always see her creating things from nothing. She would have a blank canvas in front of her and from her imagination make something amazing and beautiful. So I started by, you know, making clothing and household goods for my dolls. In high school, I evolved into making clothing for myself and presumed that at some point in my life I'd be a clothing designer. I was also really great at science, and I loved science. I loved learning about how the world worked and the interactions between invisible molecules and how they created, you know, tables that were hard and pillows that were squishy and and humans that could have thoughts and feelings. And so I excelled in science as well. I excelled in the arts. I was the student designer for the student fashion show. I acted in all the school plays. I loved drama. I loved art. And I also loved being great at science. Mm. And those things were never odd to me. I had to decide what to do when I went to university, and I figured I better study the sciences because it's much harder to go 
back to science than it is to go back and become a fashion designer, for example. Right. So I went into university to study neuroscience because I was fascinated by how the world worked and discovered that even more fascinating was how the brain worked. So I took my classes in chemistry, math, physics, and psychology. And while I was in university, I also tried out for the school drama program and got in, continued to do plays, had a little art gallery that I ran out of my house. Oh, cool. Yeah. And continued to make stuff. Wow. And going back a moment, even in high school, I had all this stuff that I loved making. And one day I was making a shirt and I was like, this shirt is awesome. Oh, I cut a whole lot of a t-shirt and I put some plastic behind it and I loved it. And I thought other people would love this too. So I took it down to the cool street in our city that had the really cool clothing stores. <laughs> right. And I was about 16 at the time. And I went door to door to each of the clothing stores. And I said, hey, would you like to carry the shirt that I made? And many of them said no, but I kept trying store after store. And then one of them said yes. And then all of a sudden, at 16 years old, I was a clothing designer. There was this thing that I had made that other people wanted to buy. And so they took my shirt on consignment. I didn't know what consignment meant, but it didn't matter. They were taking my shirt. And so while I was in school doing my art and my science and my fashion shows and all these things, I would also have this little line of clothing where I would make a few shirts and take it to the local store and they would sell them for me. Probably around the, my first year university, I got a job in New York for the summer at Club Monaco Design Studios, a clothing store. It's like their design. And I took my shirts around New York. And at that point, I had like a skirt and a few other things that I made. And they said, yes, we'll take your designs. So I now was a clothing designer at 19 years old with stores in Toronto and New York and going to school for neuroscience. Wow, that's really cool. That's a great first job being a clothing designer. Yeah. And I just made it up myself. And the honest truth was I sucked at sewing. I was a <laughs> terrible, terrible seamstress. And I had very little patience because I like to do a lot of things, which meant that I'm not very patient when I do many of them. And so I made things that didn't require a lot of sewing. So these shirts, I could cut the hole out of them and then I could iron on the interfacing and make something that looked really great that didn't require me to have a lot of skill in my hands. So I went to university for science, continued to tend my little line of clothing as I did it. And as soon as I graduated said, okay, well, I've just spent four years studying neuroscience. I now should go and really try this clothing thing and see where that's going to take me. At that point, lived in an apartment. My fourth year university apartment was right on one of the main streets in Toronto. My parents owned the building and they I rented the apartment on the main floor from them. So what we did was we opened up a door into my apartment, cut off the room that was right on the front and said, okay, this is going to be a retail location. I hired some seamstresses because I still sucked at sewing <laughs> and they made my designs and I created my first full line of clothing and I put it in my store and I sat in my little store every day as people came in and tried things on and I got feedback from customers and figured out what they liked and they didn't like. Went to my seamstress and made more designs. I eventually started to exhibit at Fashion Week. Um, I got a clothing agent who started to sell my clothing to other stores and I was now a clothing designer who sold stores to like clothing to 30 stores across North America. Wow. So that was amazing. Right. <laughs> I was at this point probably 22 years old. And throughout all of this, the clothing that I was making was weaving together stories of art and science. So I would have shirts that had EEG patterns on them or skirts that referenced the subconscious or 
I would make shirts that would balance in particular ways and talk about, you know, aspects of physics in terms of how they fit the body. I would make things out of bone, like real animal bones, um, and turn them into beautiful garments. So I was very fascinated by weaving together my science side and my fashion side. Right. Very smart thing to do because you're trying to pursue two different, very distinct, different paths. And now they're kind of coming together. Yeah. And I did some jobs in research labs. So, you know, even while I was running the store, the store would close at five. I'd then go and I'd, you know, work in a lab because I had a connection there or I interned there or I did my um, fourth year project in the lab. So I'd go back and keep working there. And I kept being fascinated by trying to pursue both paths. And then I became really interested in brainwaves. So brainwaves are the energy that comes off of your head. Um, and it's the sum total of the neuronal firing, your, the firing of your neurons. And it seemed to me to have both the scientific quality and this really artistic quality. And one of the professors at my school at the University of Toronto was Dr. Steve Mann. And he had an early brainwave uh, capture system. So it was a brain computer interface. You'd put an electrode on your head, it would track your brain waves, and then we could program it to do something. So we started to create concerts where as people change their brain state, focused or relaxed, this uh, EEG system would detect it. And then we could program the music and the lighting in the room to change based on people's brains. Wow. So now I'm really starting to weave together very tightly my two interests. You know, I'm creating these artistic experiences from people's actual real brain activity. So it, it reads your brain waves and then it kind of adjusts your atmosphere around you, your environment to yeah. reflect that? Yep. Yeah. So it reads your brain waves and let's say your beta activity, your focus activity was high. And so that level of beta activity would then serve as a control input to lighting or music. So as your beta activity got higher, the sound in the room would get louder or the pitch would get higher. So it'd be like, and then he's relaxed. Right, right. Okay. So that was our very early experimentation. And as we were doing that, I said, this is like completely amazing. And I need to know like what this is and I need to take it to the world. And I could just see very clearly in that moment that there was something there that was extraordinary. We we're literally controlling technology with our brains and that I could probably take this and build some sort of product or business around it. So at this point, where are you in your career from a neuroscientist perspective? So at this point, I got my bachelor's in neuroscience. I worked in a few research labs. I'm collaborating with Steve. Okay. And I am still a clothing designer with a store. And I'm also a little bit later, but around this, like somewhere around this time, also undergoing uh, postgraduate training to become a psychotherapist wow, because okay. I knew I wanted to do something with the brain, but it wasn't really obvious what that thing was and how it was going to be a business. So I realized that I, my parents were divorcing. They started divorcing like I was 23, 24 around then. And so I started to see a psychotherapist and it was awesome. Like here was a way that I was talking to somebody about what was going on in my mind. I was understanding my brain from a different aspect than you do in the lab. And I was like, I can do this. I can totally be a therapist. This would be amazing. So I enrolled for training as a therapist and somewhere along this whole journey, simultaneously studying therapy and eventually graduate and open my own private practice there. So there's a, this is like 2002, 2003, after I graduated from university, then I'm starting to work with Steve Mann. And there's about like six or seven years in there where I close my clothing store. 
because it turns out as amazing as it is to be a clothing designer, it's a terrible business. It just doesn't <laughs> make a lot of economic sense. Right. I complete my training as a therapist and become a psychotherapist is like the next thing I'm going to do. And then along the way, continue to kind of tend and consider and work with this brain computer interface system in the background, trying to figure out what it's going to be. And around 2007, I was like, we really, there's something amazing here. We really need to do this. And I got together with my boyfriend's best friend at the time, Trevor Coleman, and Chris Amini, who worked in Steve's lab. He was his master student. And the three of us said, okay, we are going to create a business around this. And then around 2009, we started to really hone in on what it was going to be. And we got our first big contract at the Olympics. So we're now three people who are forming a startup. Um, I was sort of the, you know, creative visionary. Chris was the technical co-founder. Uh, Trevor was in a lot of ways, the practical one and also the experienced designer. And we somehow landed this massive project where we were going to control the lights on the CN tower, the Canadian prom buildings and Niagara falls with people's brains from across the country at the Olympics. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Throughout this, I'm still a psychotherapist, even though, you know, this, new venture is starting to take up more and more time as we get together regularly in Trevor's basement, coming up with business plans, you know, dreaming about what the use cases are, trying to figure out where we're going to get, get funding, pitching people on the ideas of creating these brain controlled installations. And then we finally got one. Wow. So this is, this is a very long career journey. Shall I continue the end? No, it's very good. I'm, I'm letting you go because it's very interesting the way it's evolving. Your whole career has kind of evolved to this point because you started in the clothing piece of it. You kind of, you know, went to the neuroscience piece of it. So it's very fascinating. And you're kind of making your choices depending on what's next in the journey. Yeah. Trying to go a different path from a, a educational standpoint because that's where you need to go to explore this new opportunity. So I think it's fascinating. And it really was very much, you know, making these decisions in real time, seeing where the puck is, like having these ideas and just having the sense that like I can bring this new idea to life. I always felt like I had what the skill and capability to do whatever it was, even though I had no formal training. It was just this deep belief that I could figure it out. Right. And you know, it's going somewhere. You just have to figure out how do I get there? <laughs> yeah, where, where exactly is it going? But I know it's going somewhere. So we're right. now 2010. We've executed this massive project for the Olympics. It was incredibly stressful, but we succeeded. We hired 25 people. We've now become a real company. We have money because they paid us for this. And uh, we're now an amazing technology. We're a company, but we're in search of a product. And this is the point where I have to start scaling back my psychotherapy because this project and this new business is really consuming all of my time. I'm starting to like fly around to San Francisco to raise money. I'm starting to like go around the world talking about this technology and getting people engaged in it. Um, I'm building a team here and I'm figuring out the skills to now be a startup CEO having never worked in another company previous in my whole life. Somewhat daunting, I would imagine. Well, the funny thing is it never seemed daunting. It was always like, this is the next thing we need to do. Like, how are we going to solve this problem? Okay, let's hire these people. How are we going to get funding? Well, let's go learn how to raise money. How are we going right. to figure this out? Let's ask somebody who's done it before and, you know, they can show us the way. Right, right. You just kept on learning and growing as you went. Yeah, and not always doing the best job, and that was completely okay. It was doing, you know, the best job that I could have at that time that moved us forward. 
That's great that you realize that. Well, it doesn't have to be perfect. We just got to keep on going. Yeah. And, you know, the feeling that it needs to be perfect can be really intense, but it doesn't need to be perfect. And you don't know how to do everything. Like even back in my clothing business, I still have no idea how to sew well. I still really suck at sewing, yet I was a very successful clothing designer because I could bring together the resources that I needed and have the confidence that even if I didn't know how to do the specific thing, I could figure out how to get it done. Right. Okay. So you're looking for a product to create, right? Yeah. This is the uh, becoming an inventor. Yes. So we had this crazy technology that could let you control stuff with your mind, but we wanted to do something that was going to be really meaningful. And all of the things we could come up with were like thought controlled toasters that didn't really work or like we could thought control the lights, but like, frankly, a clapper works better or a button works better. Like we, we didn't have the product that was really great until we realized that what this technology was really good at doing was helping you understand your own mind. And so we went to this conference called Wisdom 2.0 that was all about meditation. And we recognized that we could use this tool to help you meditate. And now in my psychotherapy practice, I had taught people meditation, but been a sucky meditator myself. And Trevor was really into meditation and Chris was open to it. And so we began to build this meditation tool. And this was at a time when, you know, meditation wasn't cool yet but I still had to go and raise money for it and ultimately raised $18.7 million to bring the product to market and you know, hire a team for it and build the product. And right. we ended up building a device that tracks your brain during meditation and gives you real-time feedback to help you meditate. This is zooming forward to 2019. I'm no longer the CEO of the company. I was the CEO for seven years, got us through our first few funding rounds, got the product into market. I then stepped away to go on maternity leave and somebody who was far more skilled at actually running big companies <laughs> stepped <laughs> right. in and I learned a lot from him. He's our current CEO. And my current wow. job is the evangelist. So I help people understand their mind and their brain, how it works and how tools like meditation can help you impact your, your life. And the device that we build is used by hundreds of thousands of people today. That device is called the Muse. Yep. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, that's really cool. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educatory student, you can search for careers by career cluster. So we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which is a whole bunch of different things. <laughs> and we learned what you do today, which is a whole bunch of things as well. So you had this really amazing, growing, evolving, learning career journey. So looking back on it all, what would you do differently? I don't think I'd do anything differently. I really loved the life that I crafted for myself, that I gave myself permission to live. And I feel really great about what I've done, what I've enabled for other people and how much I've grown. You know, when I look back, I made a ton of mistakes. I didn't know a lot of things and that's okay because I was open to learning them and figuring them out. Yep. You learned from your mistakes, grew and kept on going, right? Yeah. With this great sense of like, there's an exciting thing in front of us and we can all do it. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to get there. Yeah. That's great. Well, now let's talk to the student who wants to do what you do. What advice would you give them? So I would say that inside of each of us is the capability to do whatever we want. And sometimes doing something different can be hard because you feel like you'll disappoint your parents or you're not supposed to do it this way. But when you actually follow your passion and when you actually get excited about something and go forward and invest the time and do it, amazing things happen. So I really recommend that if you're excited about something, talk to people about it. You know, don't keep it inside. Talk to people about it. Get people engaged in it and start taking the first step. You know, when I was looking to work in research labs, the first step for me was to 
email a whole ton of people who ran research labs and say, hey, I would like to just intern and volunteer as a start. And I probably emailed 40 of them and like, you know, two people got back and one of them offered me a research position. And so you just have to take the step to get out there. And it doesn't matter if people say no, because you're like punching above your weight. And most people really want to support you while you punch above your weight. Like most people really want to support you when they see somebody young going out and doing something that's big and ambitious. So take the feeling of, you know, motivation and excitement that you might have and just go and do it. And for anybody who feels like there are too many things I want to do, I don't know which one to pick. It honestly doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter which one you pick. Just start by doing one of them. And then you might have another idea and move to the next. That's totally okay. But it's so much better to just start without worrying about which choice you're making or which one it is, because then you will start going on your path and you will learn on that path where the right place for you ultimately is. Yeah, that's really great advice. You know, once you start doing something you really enjoy, it doesn't seem like you're working a day in your life. <laughs> you're just having a great time exploring your passions. So that's, a, that's a, some really great advice there. Well, what are some current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Muse is the thing that you know I'm currently working on and have been for the last few years with my team. If I have one more piece of advice, it's always you know be grateful for the people who are around you and working with you because everything takes teams. Um, you know, everything is the way that we work together and how we encourage and support one another for success. Your success is as important as the success in the person next to you. And if we all felt that way, we would all just be successful together. So what I'm working on is a device called Muse and it tracks your brain during meditation and gives you real-time feedback to know when you're focused and when your mind is wandering. Because a lot of us have heard that meditation is good for you, but meditation can be really hard to do. So Muse takes the invisible, intangible process of meditation and makes it real and tangible by letting you know what's going on in your mind, by giving you feedback and actually showing you your brain and your progress. Yeah, that's really amazing. And where can we learn more about your products and where you'll be appearing next? So if you're curious about Muse, you can find it at choosemuse.com. We also have a guided meditation app called Meditation Studio that you can download in the App Store. And if you want to learn more about me, you can find me at Ariel's Musings on Instagram and my podcast that I co-host called Untangle, where we learn all about neuroscience, the brain, and ways to change your mind in your life. Oh, that's really awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. My pleasure. So much fun to share. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.